Hey, this is Devin Gino, CEO of Strength Leader Development and a founding partner with the John Maxwell team. If you're a leader who wants to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my very good friend, Dennis Giannotsis. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead real change, then they can inspire real change. It is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world uh, listeners, uh, I have a guest today. Her name is Deb Ingino, and Deb is a highly sought-after executive mentor, consultant, and speaker worldwide. She is well-versed in business operations and helps business leaders and their teams to discover and leverage their strengths. She's two, for two decades, she was the vice president of a global brand operations for Marcon Eyewear and in a senior corporate leadership capacity. She helped that company go from $50 million to well over $500 million and uh, served more than a uh, whole lot of retailers and more than 80 countries across the globe. Deb has shepherded at the training of thousands in a founding and is a founding partner with her mentor, leadership expert, John C. Maxwell, and, uh, and a global team of about 12,000 coaches, speakers, and trainers in 120 countries around the world. And she also serves on the President's Advisory Council uh, in the John C. Maxwell team. Deb was named one of the most influential women in business by LIBN in 2008 and 2010, and as a regular guest on radio and on podcast, Deb, a big welcome to you to the show. Dennis, my friend, thank you. You know, anytime I get to be in the leadership space with you, it's a great day. Thank you. Awesome. You and I met uh, many years ago, and I'm going to get you to share a little bit more about your background. But, uh, before we go there, though, I remember that you and I, we were at a John Maxwell, the Founding Partners event, and they had us sitting down by alph alphabetical order. That's right. So, so Deb, Dennis, mm, sounds like they're pretty close. So we were at a table full of, well, I think you were the only Deb? Or was it there was one or two, two Debs? Debs? Two Debs, one Don, one Dennis, and four Davids. Yeah, there were all the Davids, yeah. <laughs> and you shouted, David, and all four, yes, turned around at the same time. Yeah, so it was great to, to meet you there. And, um, you know, we've just been friends since then, and, and it's fantastic to to have you on the show. So Deb, as I said before, love to hear more about your background. So if you can just share a little bit more about Deb. Sure. So thanks so much, by the way, for the opportunity to share a little bit. You know, you and I love talking about leadership. And uh, there's some things that you talked about in the opening that I definitely want to, you know, connect on a little bit further during today's podcast. But my background is I'm a, a New York 
born and bred girl and uh, was in the corporate world for about 30 years. 23 of those years were with Marshawn Eyewear. And in that role, I had the incredible opportunity to go all around the world and create startup companies, which are now serving customers in more than 80 countries. And in each of those startup teams, the part of the job that I loved the most was developing a team and a leadership mentality and culture in the organization, which allowed us to scale the growth from 50 million to well over 500 million. And that to me was the best part of the job. So I did it for 23 years. You knew I loved it if I did it for that long. And then I had also had on my heart that I wanted to do that full time. That was part of my responsibility. You know, as a senior vice president of brand operations globally, it was only a part of what I got to do. And I wanted to do more of it. So that was actually the reason why I started my own business in 2011. And that was when you and I met at that event in West Palm Beach, Florida at the famous D table. <laughs> yeah, the D table. <laughs> yeah, every time you want to be in the A table or the number one table, but that was the best table. We was got the chosen D for the D table, exactly. It could have been, it could have been Z, the Z table, right? <laughs> yep, yep. And um, and so we were the chosen ones, as you said. So that's pretty cool. That's right. So that's my background, and that's why I ended up launching my own business, because that piece to me, Dennis, when it came to leadership, a leadership culture, a leadership mentality – that is really the key to business growth and, frankly, everybody reaching their personal potential. Yeah. And um, a lot of people reaching their that potential of themselves, whether it be a leader or something else, they've got a talent, but sometimes they don't always reach that potential or they feel like they can't. And, Deb, what, what do you think is one thing that could possibly hold people back and what is one thing you think they need to do to propel themselves? Oh, I love the question. I think what holds many of us back, I know it was true for me, was that I was so used to doing a, a job or having a role that it was difficult for me to see beyond that role. That I thought what I had always done was what I was meant to always do forever. And you talked earlier about, in our introduction, about pivoting. And that, I think, is something all of us need to be better at doing, is to see our own potential. And I think that's the way through it, is to start not looking at what we've done, because that's just a history lesson, right? Yeah. It's really looking at, in what we've done, what were the strengths, the passion, and the purpose that we had behind it? And now, what does the world need today, and how do we use those strengths, passion, and purpose in that gap? Yep. So what you've done in the past is a history lesson if you look back and look at it. So that's a good one. And then it's really about seeing further in the, into the future. And, and you're right. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of leaders, they don't actually, they think about the next job and they, they don't, where I actually get to think them, get them to think about the next two or three roles because where right. they're going and what kind of pathway they're on, that'd be really ideal rather than just the next role because the next role will determine the next two or three or where they're going in that pathway. You're so right in what you're saying there about things. And and so, yeah, wonderful. I've got a question here for you, and I've got a few questions, and we're going to go through them deep together here. And the first the first question is, who is your favorite leader? Now, this person could be alive or from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? 
Oh my goodness. I don't like that question. (laughs) (laughs) Can you put an S at the end of leaders? So it's leaders because there's so much, you know, there's so many great leaders in history and even contemporary leaders. You know, I'm one of faith, so I would always kind of lean on, you know, the teachings of Jesus. So I felt it was one of the the hands down best leader ever. But beyond that, you know, uh, the CEO I had worked for for, tw- you know, 23 years, Al Berg, just a brilliant leader. But if I had to, if I had to only choose one, Dennis, I really think it would have to be our friend John Maxwell. And the reason I say John is because in the course of my leadership and in the course of my corporate and now in the course of being an entrepreneur, you know, for nine years, John has single-handedly been the most influential voice in my ability to move much closer to my own potential as a leader. Yeah. And that voice being there, uh, how has that helped you? I mean, I know you said it's helped you go towards being that entrepreneur and being the best you can be. How has it happened? What, what, what are maybe some things he may have said to you to help you along that way? Yeah, great question. You know, one of the teachings that John has, uh, he talks about something called the law of the lid. And the law of the lid says that a leader's potential, the leader himself or herself determines the potential of a team, determines the potential of a project getting done effectively. And that in order for us to get better results, in order for us to lead a team to greater results, in order for us to grow a company, in order for us to hit new projects and be creative, that it does require that as leaders, you and I stay in growth mode. And, you know, for many of us, right, we go to school and we think, okay, great, I've graduated, I have now arrived, world, here I am. But the reality is, in leadership, there's no arrival point. We are in the phase of development. If we're really a great leader, we are in development for the rest of our lives. Yeah, yeah, and and you get—I don't know about you, but I've seen people when we finished uh, high school, school. I know the in the U.S. and that you call it a little bit different. So your our high school or our college, as we call it, is, I think is your high school, um, mm-hmm. and our university, as we call it, you call it uh, college, yeah. things like that. But um, when people would leave, they would throw their when the three left school. They would throw away their books, like, oh, I finished yeah. with learning. And I'm like, well, you're only just starting, pal. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so, yeah, life is always throwing things at us to learn. And, of course, the law of the lid, it's a, it's a great uh, analogy, a great teaching that he teaches and shares with us about that. And, and you know, I, I think about it all the time. And you're so right, Deb. I mean, that is whereby that is our responsibility as leaders, right, to right. not only be the best we can be, but also help our teams and our organizations move to new levels. Okay, the the name of the show is Leadership is Changing. So when I say that term to you, what does that mean for you? Wow. I I think it's funny. The very first thing that came to mind for me is that, uh, yes, it is. (laughs) When you said leadership is changing, I'm like, yes, it is. And I think our ability to be able to pivot as a leader in the midst of change is the key to our success. That for many folks, you know, and and I was like this years ago, you know, decades ago for me, it was, nope, I am how I am, very rigid approach. 
that, what do you mean the circumstances have changed? Well, let's change the circumstances. I'm not going to pivot, right? And then reality smacked me in the head as well as some a great teachings and development through folks like John. And I realized very clearly that my ability to pivot as a leader and to lean into the change allows me to actually lead the change and not have the change lead me and my team. Wow. Lean into the change and lead the change rather than having the change lead me. Wow. Hey, team, hey, listeners, we we have Deb and Gino who's here with me and uh, we're talking about leadership is changing on this podcast and uh, lean into the change. I think Deb's been talking about here around the ability to pivot as a leader to help you succeed in the, in, you know, in the midst of change and to be able to succeed as a leader and lean into change. I, I, listeners, if you're not taking notes, you need to take notes because there's some really good things that Deb was just sharing with us here. So lead into change and uh, lean into the change and then lead the change rather than change uh, leading you. Yeah. Could I use an example, Dennis? Yeah, go for it. So if you think about it right now, we're recording this particular podcast. We're still in the midst of the coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever alias you want to give it worldwide. And I'm here in New York and I have seen certainly in not just here in the United States, but across the globe that Leaders have been challenged since March of this year, March 2020. We're now, what is it, July 2020? So leaders have been challenged since March 2020 to find ways to pivot how they're approaching business, how they're even approaching leading their team, because in many countries, people have had to work remotely, that that has been the default. So it has been a such a great, rich opportunity for us to be able to really practice the art of pivoting. And I hope all of us are really taking advantage of this opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, and I think, yeah, I, Deb, I mean, I've seen a lot of people who are actually like the deers in the headlights of a car. They are paralyzed by this, um, what's going on. Then there are others who are actually stepping up. There are others who are actually taking advantage of using the time. Even if you're in lockdown at home, they use the time to be able to go in and set themselves up. And, uh, and now in this part of the world, we, we've gone through that and we've come out of lockdown and uh, we're in a stage whereby within our country, we're underway with things. Is it, is it back to normal? No. It's a new normal, as some people are calling it. And uh, you're right. We, we were having to, we've seen those who are stepping up yeah. and those who haven't stepped up. And I think those who have really will be big leaders going f- um, in, into the future. Agreed. Yeah. And have you seen people, have you, ha- how are you seeing leaders in, in your part of the world reacting towards what's going on? Are, are they like what I just said about paralyzed or are they getting on with things? How, how are you seeing it? Yeah, great question. You know, I serve clients in uh, many different countries, but it's been pretty much universal. That, that it was like initially there was sh- like shock, like, well, what does this mean? And how long will the, will the lockdown be for? Oh, two weeks? Yeah, no problem. I could tackle two weeks. And then as two weeks rolled into another two weeks and another three weeks and, and so on, you could tell the leaders who were not growing Mm. very easy to see who they were. They exposed themselves because instead of looking into seeing how they could create opportunity out of the challenge, all they see is challenge. Right. Yep. So instead of creating the opportunity from the challenge, all they're seeing is the challenge. Exactly. And they're waiting for somebody else to take the challenge away from them. 
instead of, you know, again, it goes back to leaders really changing and pivoting instead of saying, I'm in control. I'm the leader here. I'm standing up and identifying myself as a leader. I want to find a way to change this for myself. I can't change the outside circumstances, but I can change what I do as a result of them. Nice. Yeah. Excellent. And so a lot of this, what's happening is out of our control. But what you're saying, Dev, is that is that what's in our control is how we can change things ourselves if we definitely get it and, and actually attend to it and do something with it. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. Hey, uh, Deb, here's another one for you, which is how has your business or industry changed and, and what demand has that put on you or your team if you've got a team? Yeah, yeah, it's, it is interesting. I do have a team. I, I think what's what's so great for me, frankly, is that because of my ability to be able to see opportunity, I've seen spaces and places and teams and leaders that were eager to learn how to pivot through it, and and that has actually opened up opportunity. What has changed probably the most, Dennis is that many of the contacts before, you know, there was a certain percentage that were done online or through Skype or some other methodology, and many were done in person. Now, none are done in person, at least not right now. And that has changed a lot of the scope of how things are getting done, but not what's getting done. So still being able to deliver coaching and training to leaders and teams However, the methodology has shifted, but I've also found, if I could, that it's also changed the clients that I work with because for many of them, they've never, ever considered a work remotely environment, Mm -hmm. that they were tied to that brick and mortar, and they were like, it's almost like they chain themselves to the cornerstone of the building, and they were not going to let anybody ever work from home until they had to. And once they had to, they found very quickly that there was a way for them to adapt and to still be able to be a great leader. So I think it's changed. It certainly has changed to some degree my business and at least how it's being delivered. But it's also changed the hearts and minds of leaders on how they could still lead a business, but not necessarily have to be in the same physical space all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I think the, the what we've been talking about in the past, a lot of, uh, and I, you know, at one stage I thought, oh, maybe it's a lot of marketing hype and maybe it's the new wording and things like that, the future of work. Um, and so I think the future of work has been sort of, it's come to us a lot quicker. In other words, as you just said, they're now having to do it rather than it was an option before. And so, um, yeah, totally being forced on us. And um, yeah, it's not in our control. But what is in our control is the way we react to it and what we do with it going forward. If, if there was one thing you could change in business as a leader today, what, what would that one thing be? Oh, boy. You know, I don't know if you've ever seen the film. This is an, well, I think it's been remade several times, but it's an old 1930-something film, The Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge. Well, in that film, one of the things I love about that film is that I wish I had the power that the ghost of Christmas future had Mm. to see, to show people, to illuminate for them the potential of what they're, they could be doing. 
on the more positive side rather than the Ebenezer Scrooge <laughs> part of it, but to really be able to share with people that there is a so much more potential that they have. To me, I think anything that we could, I could ever do to help shine that light. Every time I have an opportunity to do that, when I'm in the space of a leader, as I get to know them and see their strengths and talents in action, I love sharing that. I was just on a coaching call with a client a couple of days ago, and uh, you know, he was working through some, some difficult changes that he was having to make in his organization. And one of the things that really became apparent in there was when I said to him, I said, you know, I keep hearing doubt in your voice, mm. but let's go back to what have you done before with that team? And how have you, have you grown that business before? And we literally went back and revisited the history and now said, so what do you think the future holds? Wow. And it was a powerful moment for him. It really was. Yeah. And, and so hearing the doubt in his voice, you picked that up, right? And then yeah. helping him understand. So you went back through what he's done before. I, I presume yeah. it's a, a, a yeah. male, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, what he's done before. And then and then about how that would set him up for the future. Exactly. Yeah. Very good. Very powerful. So uh, listeners, if you're wanting to think a little bit more about your past and what you've done in the past, if there's some doubt that you're having, Deb and Gina has just shared with us the fact that you go back, look at the history of what you've done, and then how that can actually help you set you up for the future as well to help you be successful going forward. And Deb, you know, I, I think also the fact that if you think about your history about what's happened for you in the past, both from a positive or a negative experience, both those things can help you understand where you're going to go because they're both you can learn from both sided scenarios uh, in helping you set up for the future. Yeah, as long as we look at it in a very balanced way, we tend to be very critical of ourselves. So we would often, what would come to mind first is mistakes we've made rather than successes we've had. That's the benefit of working with a coach like you, right, or myself, because we can help people to see it from the outside perspective and have a very balanced view of themselves. Yeah, not have any agendas slash biases, anything like that. So that helps that balanced approach for sure. Yeah, and... Um, you know, if you mentioned if you'd find a coach, what a you know, if somebody wants to find a coach, is there a couple things or one one to three things that you think that they should think about when they're looking for a coach? Because I think it's really important to find the right coach. And um, there are a lot of people out there today in this marketing terms. They you know, oh, I'm a coach, and then you meet with them, and then you go, oh, you're not a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, a, you're a salesperson or you're a whatever. Um, yes, exactly. What are one, one to three things that people should be looking for in finding a coach? Yeah, great question. And I'd love to hear your perspective on that too, frankly. Uh, you know, I, I, first of all, encourage folks, you want to make sure that you understand that not every coach is for every person. Yeah. Right. So if, if depending on what you're, you know, you're looking to accomplish, you may need a coach that's very narrowly focused in a certain niche area. Yeah. Right. So, or if some people are looking for more life coaching, which is not what I do, it's all business coaching, leadership coaching. But so you want to make sure that, you know, you, you understand not every coach is for you. The second thing I always look for, and I encourage clients when I do a discovery call with potential clients, is I want to see are we a values match? Is there things that, you know, in the walk of life that they're taking, the journey that they're in, the journey that I've been in, 
are we a values match? I don't say that our values have to match, but are we a values match? Right. Right. Well, we, you know, is there alignment there or at least an honoring there? And the third piece is, is to really understand that the coaching process itself, it is a very, very impactful process as long as you're willing to go all in. Yep. 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 I, I think that's so true. I mean, you have to go all in. If you, as I say, poke it with a stick, in other words, to see if it's alive or not, yeah. uh, scenario, that, that's not going to work. Uh, you have right. to be committed and you have to lean in fully. What totally. would you say people should yeah. look for? I, I think that uh, number one is is um, somebody who, the person I would look for is somebody who is actually making change or out there doing things themselves. Now, they don't have to be the expert in what your your field is. They don't have to be at all. I don't, I, and I and I understand yeah. that. Yeah. But I want to find a find a coach that's going to ask me powerful thinking questions, questions that are going to really challenge me, stretch me, while at the same time they support me and hold me accountable. That'll, that'll be the things that I'm, I'm looking for in, in a coach. The other thing too is I've seen so many people in, in large organizations where they have coaching programs and that, and you've got people who are very passionate about coaching, but they're not actually high performers themselves. Yeah. So I want to work with somebody who has the ability to stretch me because they're a high performer themselves in their own field and what they do as a coach um, would be another one. And and I think the third one is somebody, that, as you say, someone I can have rapport with, someone I can get on with and have a frank discussion with them, but then being able to feel supported through that frank discussion because it's not about them beating me up. It's about them asking the questions that Dennis probably wouldn't ask himself or seeing the things that are probably a little bit evident, but Dennis is a little bit blind because he's got his blinders on. And so so it's getting them to actually come up with it. And so that, I think, is really good. In fact, Deb, a lot of my peers, people that I want to hang around with, I like that as well in the sense that I want them to be – I don't want to be the smartest one in the room. I want to be whereby I can be around them to help them stretch me so then they can help. I don't know about you as well as, as your friends, your circle of influence. What what would you do there? Yeah, it's so true. You know, I, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. <laughs> I, I love being in a room of, you know, or at a table with people that are far beyond, you know, in potential and growth than I am at the moment. And I love sitting there taking notes and, and, mm just gleaning wisdom from them. And also I'm an observer, Dennis, I'm observing everything that they're doing and saying, and it just, to me, that's a very inspiring atmosphere to be in. Hmm. And observe in the way, in, in the way of what people are saying uh, or the way that they're acting. And in, in other words, in other words, their actions that they're taking, what, what would you observe? What would you look for? Yes, everything. I'll give you an example, you know, um, being even at a restaurant, right, or at an event with folks and you're at a table, I'm observing how they're treating the person who's bringing the water and, you know, the person who maybe forgot to give them a napkin. You know, I really very conscious of always looking for alignment. Is their walk and their talk really the same? Mm-hmm. Because if I'm going to really lean in and listen to someone, then um, I'm going to make sure I validated that this is somebody worthy of learning through. You know, John John Maxwell, our friend John, is a good example of that. You know, I've been 
in his company and small at small tables and you know man he treats everybody in the room like they are they've got a 10 on their head because yeah. in his eyes they do yeah. and it's just it's a very inspiring atmosphere to be around yeah, it is. And he, he is a great guy. And he does look at people with a 10 on the head, as you say. And um, listeners, you may have heard me say that in one of my uh, Ask Dennis episodes to talk about the John Maxwell, the 1 through 10 and numbers and, and so forth. And yeah, he, he does do that. Deb, what happened to me recently, I was, I was doing a workshop and I always, when I'm doing the workshop, we stop for lunch and lunch is provided by the venue and so forth. I never go first. I always, as the facilitator, wait to make sure that the participants have got something. Yep. And, and then I go. And the other day, one of the participants came up to me and said to me, have you got food yet? Are you okay? And I was like, hmm, there's the leader. There's the person in the room yeah. who's making sure that I, as the facilitator in the room, are, are okay as well. And, um, yeah, it was really good to see. And I actually took time out later on to actually acknowledge that person one-on-one and let, it, let, let her know that I thought that she was very strong as a leader and I could see a lot of potential just based on some of the things like that the behaviors that I watched, uh, which is really, really quite interesting to see. I love that. That's a great, a great example. Yeah. Deb, um, employees, their, their expectations, have they changed? In other words, what, what are they looking for in, in, in leaders today? I think employees are still, you know, for my team, I'll say, and even for the clients that I serve and, and the teams that they have, I think employees today are still looking for the same three important things, you know, can you help me? Can I learn from you? And can I trust you? Yep. I, I think how we, how we teach them or how we build trust is maybe shifting a little bit. Again, you know, if you think about it in terms of, you know, the recent, recent crisis we've had in, on the globe, you know, there are many leaders that they've never once started a meeting to just check in with their team to see how. So, you know, so Dennis, how are you doing today? No, Dennis, how are you really doing? Yep. You know, I know you've got family, you know, in another country. Is everybody okay? Like there are leaders that they, that thought had never crossed their mind. But what employees need and should have today is the ability for us to really connect with them as human being first, instead of a first a human doing. Oh, nice. Connect as a human being rather than uh, human doing. Exactly. So I think, you know, how we build trust, I think those three keys are still important, but I think how we build trust, how we can help them, right? Uh, all of that, how, how it's delivered changes a little bit. Yep. Yep. It's the how for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and um, I, I, I love what you say also about, can you help me? Can I learn from you? Can I trust you? I, I think that would be across all generations today of, of employees. Is that right? I totally agree. That yeah. is universal. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I know that maybe for some generations, uh, millennials and things like that, they may want to, they may have a little bit more strong emphasis about what can I learn from you? Because what my experience of a lot of millennials, because people always say and, you know, say things about millennials and this and that. And I actually think the millennials need strong leaders around them. They want to learn Yes, they want to move quickly through the organization and things like that. I get that. They want to learn. And if they don't, they don't have that strong leader around them, then they tend to vote with their feet and they'll go. Not only that, they'll actually name the leader on social media. Yes, they will. <laughs> they'll make them a star. <laughs> a star, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, they would make them a star, yeah. Hey, um, what makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? 
You know, I think being people centric, uh-huh. values driven, and also coming at leadership from the inverted corporate approach. So, you know, typical corporate organizational structure, there's the CEO or the head of the team on top, and then the triangle, you know, below them, right? It, it really is inverted that, that the best of leadership today in a world that requires a lot of pivoting has a lot of changes. Being people-centric helps us because change requires people to help deliver on the change, right? Values-driven helps us to tap into the motivation of what's going to really make people feel that the change is worth doing. And the third piece is that inverted triangle, looking at leadership to be, if you're the leader, you should really be the lead server on the team. And the reason that becomes important is in a fast-paced world, that team needs someone who is not just leading from the front, but is leading alongside them. Yep. Alongside them, yeah, for sure. And it's almost like you taking a, a young child who's on a bike and they've got the training wheels on the side. So the leader is beside them holding just to make sure that and they're going to be okay. As they, if they take the training wheels off for the very first time, they're out there to, to cycle. And then so are you there? Do you grab them? Do you hold them? But you're there just in case. But they're allowing the person to go ahead and do it. And I, I love what you say about the, the triangle being inverted and – Today, best leaders are people-centric. That's what people needing to be, people-centric. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. So um, here's going to be a really interesting question for you, Deb, and that is if I was going to ask you to bring out that crystal ball and think about the future and where things are going to go, where do you see leadership going in the next five years? <laughs> five years is ambitious these days. Things change so quickly. They change in five minutes, five hours, five days, five weeks, five months. I, I think, you know, one of the things I'm so encouraged about with leadership is that for many strong, high-performing leaders and teams, they've moved from being only goal-focused to being growth-focused. So they're, they're looking at achievement. They still value achievement but they value development of the team and their potential because they know that determines how far they can go. I think another piece on leadership in five years is that it's going to emphasize more on stretching to accomplish things rather than status of what someone's title is. That, you know, for for years and years, for decades, right, it was all about what your title was. Now it's about how far have you grown? How far have you stretched? How far have you delivered results? How much of an impact you have? And that before it was very much focused on the leader, that the whole focus was about the leader and what the leader could deliver, what the leader could do. I think in five years, we will have seen this massive shift that the leader, like I said, it's that inverted triangle. They are the chief server of the team. And it's really about what the team can do, what individuals can do, how far they can grow how much yep. potential they have left and how can that leader help them to tap into it yeah oh, i love it and and the chief server of uh yeah the chief server of the team is a leader uh, of the future and even today right i mean it's it's happening now as you're saying so deb i'm working with uh, a lot of leaders and executives who are coming out of organizations and they're thinking about their next uh, move whether it be another similar organization another executive role or whether they want to go in their businesses and so forth and and one thing i say to those who are going for another role and they're doing their resumes 
is that they, 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 they're actually creating the resume and they're updating and I've got this title and this is what I've, you know, this is what the job is. And I'm like, that's great. However, if I'm going to interview you and I look at you and I'm going to ask you, that's all nice, but so what? What have you done? And it's going to exactly what you just said there and sharing it. It's, so I'm asking them to put more data and facts in their resume to show that they are saying, okay, this is the role, but this is what we we have done. In fact, this is what I have done. Because a lot of people talk about we, and they actually haven't done the work. They're actually in the team, yes. but they may not have actually been in, in, done the work or led the work. And so it's being more, more definitive in actually what they've done to actually prove and show people what they've done because that's what people are interested in. I mean, everyone's got a title nowadays and everyone's doing things, but so what? Well, what have you actually done and what are you doing today that's really going to count going forward? I love what you said, Dennis, because it's really about helping candidates to see or job seekers to see that they really need to own their contributions. Yes, they do. They do. And um, they need to own their contributions, as you say, of the past, but also their contributions for the future. That's right. Wow, that's powerful. Oh. Write that one down. That's a good one. I got that. Own the contributions of the, of past, the past and of the future. Yes. Wow. Hey, listeners, you've heard that from both Dennis and Deb here on this podcast. Well, do you think else you'd like to add there, Deb, around the five-year side of things in that last question? Is there anything else? I just want to encourage leaders to, to just still remain flexible that the, the, in order to be a leader five years from now, it is going to require that we become very good at pivoting and becoming very flexible in our approach, that the target may not change, the goal may not change. How we get there is probably going to need to change. You know, I live out on Long Island, just east, east of New York City. And uh, when the boat captain takes the boat out here out of the harbor, you know, they have plotted their course based on the weather and the conditions at that moment. But you get out to sea, things change and they change quickly. And that ability to be able to pivot and make decisions so that you can rechart the course as it's happening is important. So I just encourage leaders, you know, every time you have an obstacle you're hitting and it's requiring you to be flexible, to change, to pivot look at it as a golden opportunity to exercise that giftedness and that strength that you are really going to lean on in the future. Beautiful. The golden opportunity to look at your skills, your ability, your ability to pivot and take advantage of the opportunity ahead of you. Hey, Deb, thank you so much for being on the show today and for joining us. If, if our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where should they go? Well, Dennis, first of all, thank you. I love being in your space, as you know, so podcast or not, I'd love being able to spend time with you. And uh, people can reach me right on LinkedIn. My name is Deb, and then the last name is I-N-G-I-N-O. And it has just been an absolute honor, Dennis. Thank you. Thank you. So Deb and Juno is our guest for today and listeners. Uh, it's wonderful to have her on, on the show. So what we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Look out for the episodes as they're being uh, released. Feel free to download them, listen to them, put a rating, review them, share them with your network, with your family, with your friends. If there's any feedback you'd like to give me on the show, or if there's a question you think you want me to ask the list, uh, uh, my guests, or if there is a question you want to ask me on the Ask Dennis episode, which is the freestyle episode every week, 
uh, feel free to send me an email, dennis at leadingchangepartners.com. Listeners, also look out for the launch of the Facebook group, Leadership is Changing, and feel free to join that group as it's coming through. Other than that, hey team, have an awesome time ahead, and we look forward to talking to you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world.